This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. We gardeners know very well the benefits gardening has on our mental health. Whether we notice our blood pressure lowering or not, I'm sure we've all had those moments where the pressures of the day, including anger and stress, melt away after an hour or two digging the soil, sowing seeds, or even weeding a particularly weedy patch of earth we've been putting off for ages. Gardening is so good for us that doctors are now prescribing it to people as part of their journey to feel better. Hello, I'm Kate Bradbury, and today I'm in conversation with Dr. Amir Khan. TV doctor and author, social media superstar and devoted gardener about the wonderful ways in which gardens and gardening can heal us. I started by asking Dr Amir how his garden makes him feel after a hard day at the surgery. I am really busy and, and the NHS right now is busier than ever before uh, for obvious reasons. So when I get back from the surgery. I don't actually go into the house, Kate. I, I go straight into the garden, especially now because there's lighter evenings as well. So it's it's just nice to be able to go into the garden. The first thing I have to do, I'll be honest, is check the bird feeders because they are ravenous right now. So I, I am constantly filling them up before I go to work, usually after when I get back as well. And the hedgehogs are out of hibernation, so they need feeding when I get back from work. Uh, but that feeling I get uh, you know, when I'm in the garden, the stress of of working at the surgery, the, the the kind of it's just relentless. But as soon as you get into the garden and into that kind of nature, nature space that the garden provides, it, it, it does feel like a release. Uh, and, and that's what I what I get from it. And I can kind of wander around and just look at the plants, see what's going on, see what's growing, because this time of year is great, because this time of year, 
things change every day. So um, I come back from work and the, the 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 leaves on the trees will have been one size when I when I left and they've grown during the day. It's incredible that change that you see. So yeah, it does provide me with that space I need after the surgery and the relief and release, I should say, that that I need after the surgery. Um, and where, where's the science in that then, then Amir? I mean, what what is it exactly that makes us feel better? Why, you know, we gardeners are drawn to our gardens. We know it makes us feel good. What What, what is it that makes us feel good about, about being outside and, and nurturing our gardens? Well, we've got to remember that we have evolved alongside nature, you know, over, over millennia. Uh, and we've always had to, you know, look for food, grow food. And that's where gardens really come into play. It, it taps in to those really old kind of uh, things inside of us. Uh, and when we're in nature, when we're in our gardens, in you know, in, in particular, particular natural environments that make us feel good like gardens do, all sorts of physiological changes are going on inside of us. So the immediate thing that will happen is one of your stress hormones, cortisol, starts to drop. So that lowers and that lowers your blood pressure and that in turn lowers your heart rate. Uh, so already you start to feel relax, but also you start producing some of your happy, relaxing neuro uh, chemicals or brain chemicals uh, like serotonin and dopamine, which give you a pleasurable feeling, a more, much more kind of relaxed feeling. So everything just kind of melts away. That feeling that people describe when I'm in the garden, I feel like my, my worries melt away. That's how I feel when I get back from the surgery. All that stress kind of just floats off. But that's because all of these things are, are are going on inside of me. And also, you know, when, when you're out in natural light as well, it, it helps with certain things like your sleep-wake cycle. So you're going to have a better night's sleep. Uh, the micro, If you are doing any physical gardening, the microbes in the soil actually help. Just touching them can help uh, make you feel better as well because they stimulate some of your neuro uh, neurotransmitters, your brain chemicals. Uh, and so there's so much going on in the garden. And if you're lucky enough to have nature in your garden, I know that's something you're really passionate about, Kate, you know, the more you time you spend in nature, not just the plants, but the animals and the birds, all of those things that I've just described, you know, increase. So you get much more benefit from, from being in your garden, not just with the plants, but with nature as well. So are you, doctor, confirming that, you know, the more nature you have in your garden, the happier you are? Yes. And it's not just me, you know, uh, it, it is science. Uh, and it's been proven in, in numerous studies on, uh, you know, in, in lots of different countries around the world. People feel better when they're in green spaces or exposed to green spaces. And the important thing is, and that can be your garden. If you, if, you know, if you don't have a garden, it can be any kind of green space, the local park. If you're lucky enough to live by the coast, the, you know, the, the, the beach, that kind of natural environment there will do the same thing for you. If you don't have access to those things, if you have a balcony, just having plants uh, on the balcony and perhaps even inviting birds in by putting out feeders in your balcony uh, will, will help get some of those benefits. And the key thing here is a lot of gardeners who are listening to this will be, uh, I'll be like preaching to the converted, uh, but the people who, um, who stand to benefit the most from exposure to green spaces and gardens are those who spend the least time in it. Uh, so we've got to pass the message on really I think and spread the word and get everyone involved in in gardening and getting outdoors in green spaces we all know we all know it makes us feel good 
and it's just two hours. If, I, if I'm really stressed or if I'm angry about something, I can get so wound up. You know, if you're just stuck behind an email all day or you're stuck in traffic, you can get so wound up. And just two hours in the garden, it just, it does, it melts away and you just feel better. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, when things are particularly difficult and I'm just, you know, on the allotment or whatever and, and you know, the blackbird just pipes up and I just think, well, the blackbird doesn't care that I've had lots of horrible emails. The blackbird doesn't care that I've got stuck in traffic. It's just something that just, without wanting to sort of belittle serious mental health issues, it, it, this, it makes you feel better and you can feel it making you feel better. And that's and that's a really, really, really lovely thing. Especially now, because lots of people spend so long on computer screens, you know, we, we, you know, they're doing a lot of remote meetings, that kind of thing. And that kind of just looking at a computer screen, getting that blue light off a computer screen is, is not great for you. It's not great for your brain. It's not great just for your general well-being. So, you know, if you have spent all day at work or all day doing emails or all day doing admin, go outside and you will feel better really quickly. And that kind of fuzzy head feeling you get from looking at a screen all day, you know, you you will notice an improvement. It is it is really good. And all of these things, you know, the, the well-being side of them can be used alone, but in conjunction with conventional medicine as well. You know, it's not, you know, either or. The two of them go really well hand in hand. We know that green space can make us feel better. It's, you know, as, as you've described, you know, it can make us feel good and it and certainly can help with daily stresses. I wanted to ask about medication because I know that it seems to me that it's it's almost quite dangerous in for some people um, who are on medication for people to just say, oh, just go outside and be in your garden and that'll make you feel better. And it's not that that you're saying, is it? It's, it's saying with medication, gardening can really help. But please nobody come off your drugs and, and just think that you'll be okay. Oh, absolutely. And I, and this is what I talk to my patients about. You know, I'm a, I'm a GP first and foremost. Uh, and and all the advice I give is, is evidence-based. Uh, and a lot of the medication I prescribe, you know, all of it will be based on trials that have been done to show that those medication are, are beneficial. And people take medication for different things, the physical side of things, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, but it also can be for mental health issues. Uh, and what I'm saying, with, with regards to the, the, the gardening benefits. If you're not on any medication, go outside, enjoy it, you know, get the, 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 the mental health benefits. Because we all have, you know, stresses. We all suffer from, uh, uh, you know, anxiety to a certain degree, I think. And it can help with all of those things. Uh, but also, if you're already on medication for, for, for other things, this is in conjunction with that. You know, it can help boost your well-being uh, alongside the medication that you're taking. Uh, and if you have any questions, you should always speak to your doctor about it. But going outside in nature isn't ever going to harm you. It's only going to do you good if it's going to have any effect on you at all. Uh, but you mustn't stop your medication as a result of all of this. And if you are starting to feel better from a mental health point of view over time, and you think that perhaps, uh, you know, you might want to reduce your medication for a number of different reasons, you must always discuss that with your GP. And there are always, uh, there's, there's safe ways to come off certain medication. More, more often than not, you can't just stop them. They have to be gradually reduced and monitored. So always, always discuss that with your doctor. I've also read that hospital patients with a, with a nice view of a green space get better sooner than those without a view or, or with a bad view. Um, has this been proven? 
Um, and if so, how how can this knowledge influence the design of hospitals in, in future? Well, yes, it has been proven. It was a study that was done quite a long time ago in the in the 80s, and it was done in the US. Uh, and, and they compared people who had had orthopedic surgery. Uh, uh, so patients who had had the similar kind of surgeries, a cohort of them had a view of trees and green spaces. The others didn't have a view of any green space or no view at all. And they found on average the, the, the people who were in the green space group left hospital a day earlier. And they thought part of that reason, because it will be multifactorial, uh, was this outdoor view that they had. Uh, and I think, you know, what we do know, and, and, and the NHS is tapping into this a little bit by, by investing in garden areas in hospitals. And, and certainly, you know, pe- people who are stuck indoors all day in hospital, you know, going outdoors into a, a natural space will do them the world of good. Uh, and I've worked on some projects actually uh, on on oncology and palliative wards where we've we've transformed an area. It was a hospital in Windsor. We transformed an outdoor area uh, for the palliative patients there so that they could, when they were well enough, go outside with someone and just spend some time outside in a pleasant environment. And you can see how that would would benefit them, you know, just their mental well-being. Uh, and hospitals are tapping into that. What we need to do really is is when we're designing hospitals or when we're looking at spaces in hospitals that can be um, reused for other purposes or repurposed, then uh, then we can think about putting in a garden space there. And for the patients, that will do them the world of good. Because I've worked in hospitals years ago and the only outdoor space, Kate, was like the smoking area. So we've got to change that. Uh, and, and now we're not allowed to smoke in hospital grounds at all, but we've got to go way beyond that. We've got to get some a, a, a garden space because not just for the patients, but for the staff as well, because it is so stressful working in the NHS right now. And so to have a space where they can come out to uh, and actually not be a car park or a bus shelter, which is often all that is outside of a, of a hospital, I think will do them them lots of good. And we, we are working on that. You know, the hospitals are really looking into that, but it's about finding the money and finding the space. But it's a good investment for both patients and staff. And, and, and I would certainly highly recommend it. Five years ago, my mum had a um, brain hemorrhage. Oh, yes. And... Um, <clears throat> really 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 bad brain hemorrhage and 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 when she came out of um critical care uh she was moved onto the stroke ward and um and she'd lost all of her speech and you know it was there were very dark times um but there was a little garden and it was it wasn't a very good garden to be honest you know I'd take her out to the garden and she would refuse to come back in again. She'd absolutely hate going back in. And, you know, even when her food was ready and, you know, she needed to have a shower or something, she would just, she would be quite difficult and refuse to come back in. And it was just that yearning to be outside, to feel the sun on her face. And actually, as part, you know, she was having um, speech and language therapy, um, but as part of her recovery, you know, I'd, I'd start off by saying, you know, what's that plant and what's that plant? And she wouldn't be able to tell me because she couldn't speak. And so I changed my questions and I say, where's the lavender? Where's the sage? Where's the honeysuckle? And she'd point, and she'd point to all of the things. And it just started her, you know, because she's been a gardener her whole life, but it just started her back into being mum again, you know, as opposed to, you know, have someone who'd spent two months in hospital. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I could see it then, you know, that the power of the little 
hospital garden was 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 phenomenal really and it was it was a really significant factor in in my mum's early early recovery oh how is she now i was going to say how is she now she's fine she's absolutely fine she's got sl- slightly less of a filter than she used to have so uh, she gets into trouble sometimes <laughs> oh, God. that sounds like my mum and she hasn't had a bleed of any sort so <laughs> it's, oh it's, mama khan mama khan she, mama she's khan. got a little garden but i have to take care of that as well uh so she calls me over and uh and i have to i have to do all her gardening she's she's a big fan of flowering uh plants so you'll only have flowering plants in a garden but i've introduced her to to wildlife gardening so all the plants in her garden now are insect friendly and she's got far more birds in her garden than she had. she never used to have any at all really but now she's got she's got blackbirds and blue tits coming in and she really likes it she doesn't do any of it herself she sits outside and watches me do it uh but she enjoys the garden itself and i think i benefit from that because it calms her down which in turn has benefits for me <laughs> She enjoys telling you what to do, doesn't she? she does. I mean, I have I have picked up on this. <laughs> <laughs> she really does. But you get good you get good you get good dinners out of it. Oh my god, the best food. Yeah, totally worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so tell us about your garden then then Amir. What do you what do you love the most about it? So my kind of stump I stumbled into gardening really. You know, I uh, you know, growing up I grew up in inner city Bradford. We didn't have a garden. We had a backyard and that was about it, but that's where my dad used to park the car. So it wasn't until about 8 years ago when I bought this house that I had my first garden. Uh and and there wasn't much to it at the time. Uh and I really I I I read I read books about wildlife gardening and I thought right, that's really what I want to do because it was something I've I'd always wanted, but never had the opportunity to to have. And I think that's the thing with gardening. You can learn on the job, really, can't you? And it's trial and error. Uh, And so I divided it up into... into sections. So like I had, I've got really big borders full of um, plants that are as insect friendly as I can, I can get really. And, and uh, we've got um, uh, a pond, we dug out a pond a few years ago, which was incredible because um, frogs arrived the same year. They didn't, they didn't spawn in, uh, in the pond until a couple of years later, but they spent their summer kind of just sunbathing in the pond, which was amazing to see. Uh, and we've got uh, a whole section dedicated to the birds. So, so uh, I, I, I built this big uh, wooden stand where we uh, hang about 12 bird feeders with different um, food in and we get uh, we're really lucky we get a variety of birds come in uh, and it's just it's just really lovely and there's a seating area which I want to I design so I you know it feel like you were immersed in the garden so when you sit down you're surrounded by uh, uh, there's bamboo down there and, and and lots of other kind of plants and I've run out of gardening space Kate so I've started vertical gardening now so I've got plants going up my shed uh, up the house <laughs> so like many people and, and now I'm totally into pots as well because I've run out of ground space so everything goes into pots uh uh which is uh which is incredible because like, there's so many things that can go into pots that I didn't even realize I'm growing rhubarb in pots uh which is doing really well uh so yeah we've got really nice things in 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 pots and and the good thing about that is you can move them around and it, it just feels slightly different every now and again that's brilliant that's what I love about house plants you can just completely redesign your house by just moving your plants around <laughs> Yes. Um, that's a really interesting about your frogs as well. I mean, as you know, I love talking about frogs. Um, but yes, same same with mine. You know, they 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 turned up within within a few months. They didn't spawn, 
but then they spawn the second year. And now, like, you know, the whole of Brighton's frogs are spawning in. <laughs> I love that night. It's usually around Valentine's Day, isn't it? When they kind of get a bit frisky and it gets very loud. <laughs> That's when I know spring is on its way because the frogs have arrived and there's they 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 are very, very loud in the night. Uh, and uh, it's just a lovely sound to hear. Well, I, I, I always move into the spare room and open the window just so I can go to sleep listening to them because it's just the most magical, wonderful thing and just makes me feel so happy. Oh. Um, yes, everybody needs everybody needs a pond and everybody needs to go to sleep listening to frogs. Honestly, it's, the, it's the cutest sound, the cutest sound. And they, and they go all night. I mean, what the hell? They go all night, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we should move on from that, really, shouldn't I'm, we? <laughs> toads now as well oh wow toads, you know the the frogs sound like you know like the gentlest of rumbling stomachs or like a really distant woodpecker pecking but the toads just squeak they just squeak at you and it's just oh it's gorgeous <laughs> oh it's just also gorgeous oh i once had I a toad pass through our garden we just found him on the lawn just kind of walking along he must have been going somewhere else because we've never seen him since uh uh but that was that was just a lovely sight and that's the only time we've had a toad in our garden as far as i know so you're very lucky i'm very jealous tell me about your hedgehogs samir Oh, well, we're very lucky. So we've, we've had hedgehogs in the garden ever since we've moved in. Uh, and we started feeding them as soon as we saw them. We, we got very excited. And, uh, and I, I was told uh, that kitten biscuits are the best thing to give them. So that's what we give them. And they do really, really well. So we had a family of hedgehogs where we name all the animals in our garden, really. So there was... <laughs> So the male hedgehog was called, was called Mr. Darcy. So Mr. Darcy used to come with his missus and, and the kids. And, uh, and so he used to feed them. And they were great. And then last year, uh, a local uh, hedgehog rescue got in contact with me and said, you know, we are overwhelmed with hedgehogs at the rescue centre. We've got a few that, you know, we've rehabilitated in terms of they've had all their treatment. They had One of them had a really severe lungworm and, a, and a, another type of skin infection. Uh, but they're not... Um, heavy enough to hibernate through the winter. So we just need someone who will look after them and and fatten them up. And I thought, well, that sounds like a fun job, fattening up a hedgehog. So uh, so we gave, we, we took two and uh, we we gave them the run of our utility room. And, and uh, we, we spent all of last winter um, just kind of feeding them and cleaning after them. They are very, very messy. They need a lot of uh, um, looking after. They they do poo a lot uh, and they do smell a little They're bit as well. They're quite filthy, aren't they? They are filthy. So our <laughs> utility room was totally out of bounds to all all people apart from me. And so so, um, but it was it was a nice experience. And then once April came, last April, we released them back into the garden, uh, and they are still with us, uh, which is nice because we, we we the, the utility uh, sorry the. The rescue uh, um, place put a little mark on each one. So one's got a little red dot on it and one's got a blue dot on it. Uh, and so we see them now and they haven't gone very far because they, they we've got hedgehog houses. So they so last this winter gone, they hibernated. They both hibernated in the in the hedgehog houses. Uh, but last spring, so we, we released them in April and then around May, June time, they both found wives and we had 
children. And it was really nice because they used to like parade them around the garden, you know, when they were old enough. And it was, it was just gorgeous. I know I'm talking about them like they're people, but I feel like they, they we knew them really well. So we they can are. talk about they're them. Hedgehog like, people. Well, they're hedgehog people. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think, I don't know, and I, I've got nothing to back this up, but I feel like they know my voice. So when I'm in the garden and they're in the garden in the late evenings, last summer, they didn't seem to mind. But when we had guests over, because we were allowed to have people over in the garden last summer, um, uh, they didn't come out then. It was only when I was there with my other half and, and then they, they would come out. Uh, 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 so I thought that was quite interesting. So when, you know, I, I, people are in the garden filming, for example, the birds just disappear. And I, I say to the cameraman, well, that's because you're here. They yes. know me. Um, and so they don't mind when I'm in the garden. Yes. Because, you know, I'm the one that feeds them and I'm the one that says, hello, Sparrow. Um, and they know me, but they're, they're not going to come in with you here on your big camera. That and is so they get right. Grumpy. They do get grumpy. And you but can yeah, hear I, them get definitely do. <laughs> well, both sides get grumpy, don't they? The camera people get grumpy because they want to film the birds. But then the birds get really grumpy because you can hear them in the trees kind of chirping away going, move out of my garden. And I, I say to the cameraman, I say, they're watching you. And they say, well, where are they? And I say, they're everywhere and they're watching you. They know you're in the garden. They that does in. sound like a little Hitchcock movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but no, I definitely, I definitely think they do. They must know us. You know, they must know us. Of course, we know them. Why wouldn't they know us? And I cleaned up a lot of hedgehog poo for a long time, Kate. So I, I hope they do know me because <laughs> I put in the work. <laughs> oh, there's that man who tied is up after us all the time. Yes. Hi, Uncle Amir. <laughs> I'm still doing it. They leave little gifts around the garden oh. as well. Still doing it. <laughs> oh, do you know I haven't I haven't seen a hedgehog yet this year, and I've been grumbling about it. And um, and then my, my girlfriend came home the other day, and she said, "I didn't know Linda from Two Doors Up has got cats." And I said, "No, Linda does not have cats." And she said, "Well, Linda's just been in buying all of the cat food." <laughs> and um, I realised that that's why the hedgehogs haven't bothered coming to no. the end of the alley to my garden because they're need, all over at Linda's. You need to up your game. You, you need to beat Linda. Get some like gourmet kitten food of some sort and get them over. You got to entice them. <laughs> beat Linda at her own game. <laughs> Beat Linda at her own game. I think she feeds the cats. She just feeds the neighbourhood cats, but obviously she doesn't just feed the cats. She feeds the hedgehogs and she feeds the foxes as well. Um, so, yeah, I think what I'm going to do actually is just set up my camera in Linda's garden so that I can actually see my hedgehogs and see how they're doing. But, yeah, they, they, have, they just haven't bothered coming to mind. Oh. Why have a dry kitten biscuit when you've got some some lovely premium yeah. whatever it is meaty chunks fatty, meaty yeah. loveliness yeah <laughs> that is true I'll when we first it. got our hedgehogs we we put them on wet food and then um and then they they i mean they got quite big quite quickly on that and then because it smelt so much and then we were told actually dry food is probably better for their teeth so we switched them on to dry but they were really fussy they wouldn't take it unless it was mixed with the wet food and then we slowly yeah, had to wean have them to off wean them off it i know i know they fell out with us for two nights actually <laughs> so we, we found yeah. a middle ground i changed i changed biscuits <laughs> i changed biscuits and i had to do the same thing I had to sort of do it very gradually um and then this one type of kitten biscuit that I was using changed its recipe. And, and I think that's partly why they're just round at Linda's now, because they don't trust me, because I foolishly bought the um the uh, the 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 kitten biscuits with the um with with the changed recipe. The other thing about wet food, of course, is that um 
if you, you know, you can put it out at night and the hedgehogs have a really lovely time and they'll eat it. But if you if you keep it there in the day, then flies in summer will come and lay eggs in it. And so, you know, you, you don't want to have a big maggoty bowl of mush if you're trying to feed hedgehogs. So it's just much more, it's much more hygienic. It's better for the hedgehogs. It's, you know, it's kitten biscuits are the way to go. And kitten biscuits, not cat biscuits, because hedgehogs have got such small mouths that they just need to have little gentle nibbles. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what's a gorgeous sound. Uh, a gorgeous sound as well as the frogs is the crunching of biscuits by a hedgehog. The crunch. <laughs> it's so yeah. cute. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in the garden late at night with a glass of wine and yes. then suddenly you hear this little shuffle and a little crunch and yeah. you turn around and there's Brunston prickles. <laughs> having a good old crunch. You name them as well. I love it. <laughs> of course. Because I, I release hedgehogs as well. So, um... So uh, yeah, they um, they they all come in and and uh, and they all get named and then released and, oh. and then they all go to Linda's. They anyway, all believe to go to Linda's. You have like empty nest syndrome. <laughs> 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 Look at us feeling really good just talking about our gardens. Yeah. We don't even have to go in them. No, we do. <laughs> but um, yes, um, even talking about gardens can can make you feel really good. It can. And the other important group of people, I guess, are people who you know have mobility issues and may not be able to get out into their gardens, but. Actually, looking out into a garden gives you considerable health benefits as well. So if you're not well enough to go outside, you might be bed bound, you might not have the mobility to go outside. If you can turn your bed around and get a view of the garden, that will give you some health benefits. And, you know, if you if you put something in your window like bird feeders and you can watch the birds fly in and out of them, that is also really good for your mental health and well-being. So, so for those people listening who don't have that mobility, there is a you know an option for you as well. So, in terms of actual gardening, Amir, I mean, you know, I'm a gardener, you're a gardener. You know, a lot of people, however, seem put off by gardening, um, and they don't know where to start, and they don't feel they've got sufficient skills. Um, but we all have to start somewhere, don't we? And I feel that the joy is in the learning. Absolutely. So how, how did you learn to garden? I was not a gardener. And even now, I don't necessarily classify myself as a, as a gardener. I'm always learning. So I, I bought books. I bought your book, Kate. And, and uh, I learned about wildlife gardening uh, and the plants that were needed. And I went to the garden centre and spoke to the people there as well and said, look, you know, uh, this is what I want to achieve. I want to, I want to, uh, I've seen gardens. I've seen the kind of gardens that I want. I have an inkling of the plants that I want to grow in the garden, but, you know, can you help me? And they were really helpful. They gave me an idea of, you know, where the plants should should go, uh, you know, how much sunlight they need, which plants were really good for, for shaded areas, as well as, you know, reading about that as well. And the garden centre is really helpful. You, when you're buying plants or growing plants, you know, on the back of seeds, you can see which ones are nature-friendly because they've all got a picture of a bee on or a butterfly. <laughs> so it's really easy to identify plants that will attract insects uh, into the garden. I think, and, 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 and that's the starting... If if you want to, if you want to have a wildlife garden, uh, then that's for me is the starting point. Getting the, the right plants in there. But you you know more about this than I do. But but getting the right plants in and getting the insects in, and then everything else tends to follow them. Uh, so just speaking to people, reading about it, trial and error. You know, 
I'll be honest with you, lots of plants have died in the making of my garden. <laughs> so you've just got to accept that as a fact of gardening. But then the other things will thrive. Uh, and, and, and so trial and error, don't be put off by it. And once you get into it and you get the bug, it's really hard to stop. And that is a problem in itself because I have no stop button now that I'm gardening and I'm completely run out and of space. And you stop growing things up the, lo- up the wall. Yes, yes. <laughs> And I think another thing just, you know, to remind people is that plants actually want to grow. They don't want to die. So, you know, some plants um, are very, are very fussy and, and you know, a, a bit deaverish, as we say in the horticultural world. Um, but most, you know, they'll really happily just grow for you. Plant them in the ground, give them a bit of water. If they like sun, put them in a sunny spot. If they like shade, put them in a shady spot and they will grow. Um, and, and yeah, so, you know, it's 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 not as... It's not as challenging as, as perhaps it may seem to complete beginners. Um, we all started somewhere. Um, I remember when I first started gardening, I sowed radishes into a seed tray and then transplanted them. So by the time I harvested them, they're all ridiculous shapes because you have to direct sow radishes. Um, and I knew, I learned the, the, the second year, well, I've got to direct sow my radishes, otherwise they'll be really silly shapes. So, you know, you know, the, the 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 learning is is and the making of the mistakes sometimes is actually quite fun, and um, and yeah, just all get out and do it. All get out and do it. Feel good. Absorb the nature. Name your hedgehogs. Know that the birds and the hedgehogs know you and they prefer you to anyone else who visits your home, and um, and feel feel better. I think. Absolutely, that's exactly what I would say. You know, even if you can just go out for a few minutes. Uh, a few times a week, you know, get out there. Anything is better than nothing. Uh, and so uh, just spend any time you can out in the garden. You know, it, it, th- th- there is a study that shows, you know, you should be doing two hours a week really outdoors in, in nature uh, to get some of those health benefits. But I would say, you know, don't be too prescriptive with it. If you can spend two hours a week or more out in nature, fabulous. If you can't, any amount of time is going to do you good. So so just go out into your garden, into your local green space uh, and get some of those health benefits. And if you, you know, if you if you haven't really been doing that, you benefit the most. So go out. This is a perfect time of year to start. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So, if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.